Today on The Big Inside, what do PhDs really know? The field of lifting and exercise seems to be almost overrun with folks who have a complete fetish for the sciences. But is science really the make-or-break edge for training success? Can someone expect to have truly advanced progress in their training if they don't have access to PhD-level information? You know, that's what we're kind of take a look at, the role academia plays in training pursuits, you know, the good and the bad, with Dr. Mike Isriatel, <clears throat> PhD. And that workout for your ears begins right now. It's another Monday night somewhere. Wait, wait, that doesn't make any that doesn't make any sense. Oh, well. I, I guess it's time once again for the big inside. that I did that in one take. Broadcasting from the world-famous Public Alley 701 in the PhD-ridden city of Boston, Massachusetts. I'm Christian Mady, a.k.a. XN, and this is The Big Inside, the ongoing discussion that intersects and connects what transforms the body with what transforms the world and then turns them both inside out. We're all about the conversation, not the education, but with our luck, you'll probably end up learning something along the way. Joining me this week in the sidecar, surprise, surprise, is Nick Lafarbe. Lafarbever. Lef- you have too many consonants in your name, Nick. Lafarbever. It's Canadian, right? Anyway. You Lafave. That's close enough. Lafave. You're my Lafave. Yeah. Yeah, well. You might remember him. He was a guest a few episodes <laughs> ago. And uh, Nick was so appreciated on the show, we decided to give him a crack at the sidecar. Scott Batorf uh, is actually out this week. So it's a perfect opportunity for Nick to yep, start grunting and wheezing into the mic. <laughs> I hope he does at least as good a job as Scott. Uh, but don't worry, Scott will be back in future episodes. Are you excited, Nick? Is your brain on? Are you are you feeling it? Oh, always. He's, Stoked. He's wearing his gigantic nerd glasses, so he's ready. You heard it was a science. I'm in Harry Potter mode. <laughs> Today on the big side, science. All, all of it. All the science. We're going to talk about all the science. No, not really. But we are going to take a look at the academia's role in the pursuit of strength and aesthetics and whether it has begun to become lopsided. So here's my spiel. First, let's talk about, you know, the scientists. Since the late 1950s, the number of PhDs given by institutions with accreditation in the U.S. has risen in a linear fashion. There have been no major spikes. Each year, the number of doctor degrees has risen roughly the same percentage as the previous year. Sure, there have been a few years with a few hundred more and some with a few hundred less, but for the most part, PhDs have risen in a tidy, linear fashion. However, we get a different perspective when we look at the types of PhDs that have been going out. While the total number has risen linearly, the categories have shifted parabolically. And one of the greatest spikes has been in the doctorate study doctorate studies of health and wellness disciplines. We are gaining doctors not only in the medical fields, but in the health sciences in general at a more rapid rate than almost any other field. In particular, there is a sharp upward spike in the number of doctorates in the exercise science and kinesiology fields. Whatever kinesiology is, right? I mean, come on, that's a made-up word. Right? No one really knows. But never mind. All right. So obviously, with more... I don't know what it means. So obviously, with more doctors of exercise science... How we understand this field of disciplines has also shifted. This is most notable in the strength and bodybuilding fields where, quote-unquote, proof of science has become the main totem around which participants pledge their sworn allegiance. To be a, quote-unquote, real lifter, 
one always seems to need to have uh, to back their work with science. Like you gotta have the science. The proof of practice is no longer enough. Without database research to back a result, the lifter is subject to all manner of scrutiny and social correction. And you know, if a if a lifter achieves a PR in the forest and there was no scientist to hear us, did he really lift it all? Well, because this is a show that invokes science, I'm going to try and list the statistical data I just reported on the show notes at TheBigInside.com. Just look for this episode. You can go there and check my math. But keep in mind, the data is statistical, and statistics is typically regarded, you know, as a humanities pursuit, not, not really a hard science. So while statistics evoke and involve scientific method, they're situated in that gray area between science and humanities. Here comes the segue, which also seems to be where lifting and bodybuilding exist. See that? Great. I'm, I'm on fire. <laughs> no, I'm not. All right. So wherever. while there is peer review of lifting and training study within the academic field of exercise science, there is none on the humanities side, like no peer review, which is why so often historical context has to be cobbled together ad hoc, the way I'm doing it, while scientific data is amassing in a nice orderly fashion. So what about the statistics of lifting? What about the history, the, the philosophies, the psychological profiles? None of these are quantified with any great degree of formal peer review and structure, sort of ad hoc, adjunct, and to the side of the sciences. So are we growing lopsided in our perception of these practices? Has the growth in scientific study created a fetish for the sciences that has lopsided our perception of the sport and the craft of lifting in general? It's a huge question. And frankly, we're not going to really try to answer it. However, we're going to give a crack at it. So, Because uh, these ideas are, are perfect. I'm just, I can't tell you folks, I am so ecstatic to have our guest on, uh, Dr. Mike Israel. Do I call you Dr. Mike or do I just call you Mike? What can I, I, I don't want to. Call me whatever you want, man. I'm not sensitive about it. Mike's fine. Because Nick is very sensitive. He's a millennial. He denies it, so he tends to... <laughs> you have to call him special, so I just want to make sure. <laughs> anyway, so you folks know, Dr. Mike Rizzatel holds a... And I'm, say, I'm saying that right. Rizzatel, correct? Eh, close enough. <laughs> you know, can you come back every week? Because that's kind of how I do the show. Close enough. Dr. Mike Israel holds a PhD in sports physiology, which I'm sure he's going to explain what all that means to us boneheads, and is currently a professor of exercise and sports science in the School of Public Health at Temple University in Philadelphia, from where he's calling us. Obviously, his position as an educator uh, for this exact wave of doctors that I mentioned earlier gives him an exciting perspective for this dialogue. At Temple, Mike teaches several courses, including nutrition for public health, advanced sports nutrition and exer uh, exercise nutrition and behavior, just put a whole bunch of words in there. You get his, you got his course load. But meanwhile, he's also worked as a consultant on sports nutrition to the U.S. Olympic training site in Johnson City, Tennessee. Ooh, I'm I'm dealing with brass. I'm gonna hang up right now because I'm I'm not worthy of this. Um, he's also been a speaker at tons of scientific and performance health conferences. He sent me a bio today. It was like a three pages. I I'm like I can't go on. Um, the guy's a heavy hitter, you know. Um, but. Mike is also a competitive bodybuilder and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu grappler, which means he's experienced the more intuitive side of the pursuits, pursuits that I've mentioned earlier, the humanities side. He's witnessed it from both perspectives. Also, just so you know, Mike is originally from Russia. So, you know, that means Trump loves him. No, just kidding. That's not true. But seriously, with all that experience and that huge acumen, what I'm sure most of our listeners are wondering, Mike, um, is this. Is it true that uh, in Russia, you don't lift weights. The weights lift you. 
No, just that's you know, there's no exaggeration about Russia that's not true. So <laughs> just a backwards, upside down, bizarre world. Really? Have you been back? I'm I'm assuming. No, you absolutely have. not. I don't ever plan on going back. Uh, the uh, Russia has a very low degree of uh, economic and social freedom. It is not a good place to be. It is not a good place to go. With my Jewish ancestry and obviously Jewish last name, I would be subjected to numerous bribes and possibly worse from every single enforcement official that saw my American passport and Jewish name. You literally we were out of Russia. You literally just yeah. described my apartment. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Uh, sounds sounds kinky. There's no uh, opportunities here, <laughs> and I and I too have Judaism way in my past. It's a disaster. There you go. The, um, <laughs> so yeah, you heard the intro, um, and I'm kind of uh, this is kind of a pet project. In prep for the show, one of the people I spoke with is one of uh, the proteges of uh, Doctor Israel of Mike, uh, this young buck named Jared Feather, who was like, dude. That's exactly the topic for my... So he's all kinds of like... Is this sort of idea of like how academia intersects lifting a pet, you know, uh, thought line for you? A pet think piece for you? Or am I totally assuming more than I should be at this point? I've get, I've, <laughs> I've given it serious thought. Hey! So like... Uh, Plenty. Do you think it's imbalanced? Do you think right now that within the lifting and strength world we're fetishizing science too much or do you think that it's now nah, christian shut the hell up we're fine mm. i think there's a very small contingent of individuals that gives science more reach than it currently has and is fetishizing it to some extent Interesting. i think the contingent of individuals that does not fetishize science enough is vastly greater in number and uh, i do think that as science expands in its reach Eventually, we can eliminate the human side of lifting completely and rely solely on scientific information to engineer our physiques to ultimate outcomes that we would like. Whoa, 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 uh, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay, so uh, what were you saying about Russia being a fascist state? No, um, no, but like the that that sounds like I I know that I want to I want to unpack that because that sounds I'm sure. sure a lot more inflammatory than it just came into my headphones. Great. Um, it's probably pretty inflammatory, so let's no, take it apart. Please. No, no. And I'm, <laughs> I'm saying that, dude, inflammatory. The Nietzsche of it, exercise it, science. It, yeah, exactly. well, if you're looking for a non-controversial show, it uh, probably just best to cancel me right now. Mike, so. the only we kind of show <laughs> the only kind of show I have is the kind that gets flamed. So this is ideal for Sweet. me. So I do want to unpack it because that's because I love crazy shit. Um, so yeah, he loves unpacking things. The, nice. Mm. This so this this super race that you're talking about. Um, are we close? To, no. Are you are you sincere in that idea that we want that you believe that what we need to do is turn the pursuit of lifting? Like if you want to pursue it, it's utterly scientific. It's an utter utter track. It's a track of complete strictness rather than the intuitive feel your way through that most people experience it as that's what i'm trying to solve in my head uh, yes okay um the way about going uh, the best way about going about that can be i think uh, discussed at length uh, i can say something even grander 
that anything that you want done incredibly well, that you care about the outcome about a lot, needs to travel on a path slowly over evolutionary time from completely intuitive to completely engineered, scientific, numerical, and quantifiable. We leave to the intuitive only things that are not of preeminent importance to us. For example, medicine 2,000 years ago was almost wholly intuitive. Various shaman, uh, like witch doctors, would prescribe herbs and things that they felt were a good idea. Medicine today is almost completely scientific insofar as if you go to the hospital, they don't intuit anything, you would hope, and they do a variety of laboratory tests, subject you to the will of a variety of machines and robots and advanced cyber-engineered drugs that heal you with a level of precision that would be considered magical by old times. I hope one day that lifting can be so precise and so scientific that we don't have to hope for gains or wonder if this is true or is this the best way to squat, that we could be subjected to all of science's powers and come out the other end as jacked as our genetics will allow. And I also look forward to the day we can actually modify our DNA so that we can be as jacked as we like. Uh, and I personally would weigh about 2,000 pounds, maybe okay. 1,900 Sorry. I'm only I'm with you there on that last bit because <laughs> only honestly, the last part of that was a joke. And that's the part I'm dead serious about. But um no, the like I, please, I if I could go back and tweak the DNA, <laughs> there'd be so much I'd fix, including, you know, the fact that I can't stop sprouting hair in awkward places. But the uh same here. Yeah. on your head. All right. You right though? So uh, hey, grass <laughs> I'm telling you, grass doesn't grow, grow on a busy street, so I don't know what your excuse, Nick, is. But um, so yeah, this guy over here with hair—I don't trust anyone with hair. Right, exactly. head. He thinks you're head. too young, or don't think enough, or something. I don't so, know. He's gonna get it in while I can. I know he's got a ha haircut like a pencil eraser. So um, so the uh, yeah, but the thing is here that I gotta step back on this intuitive part because now I'm gonna play the Mister Humanity side. A lot of this is devil's advocate. Um. I think that there's something you said that the statement what we uh, keep intuitive, we prioritize less. I'm paraphrasing what you said. Did I hear you correctly? Is that sort of what you're getting at? That's correct. Okay, so um, so you don't see intuition as servicing anything toward evolution. Well, intuitive mechanisms of understanding are ancestrally derived, they ancestrally evolved to deal with uh, problems in our ancestral environment in which we had very little information. And intuition is uh, sort of like a genetically programmed, uh, really, really sort of um, uh, average algorithm that allows us to approximate our environment with very limited amounts of information coming in. Uh, as the scientific method has revealed to us, the accumulated knowledge of humans over time, especially the kind of knowledge that is derived with very systematic approximation, which science and only science allows, tends to be much more descriptive about what's actually going on than intuition. Now, intuition is still much more useful for a variety of things, especially on, to some extent, what's going on in our own bodies, how exercises feel how foods make us feel, uh, so on and so forth. Especially intuition is really great for injury prevention. If something really hurts your knees, of course, don't of course. do it because I, I could barely call that intuition is more sensation than anything of else. Course, but of course. outside of that, uh, intuition is a really, really rough way to do things. And while it has its merits compared to no knowledge at all, scientific knowledge, especially developed, well-developed, externally valid scientific knowledge, is vastly superior. There's not a single field in which this hasn't been demonstrated so far 
to my knowledge. So engineering, if you want to build a building, your intuition of where the uh, various uh, structures should go could be all very well and good. But if you actually take measurements of the soil, take soil density measurements and, and figure out where the actual building should go to make it most stable, uh, you know, the latter gets you a job being an actual building engineer. The former gets you, you know, you're, when you try to build your kid's tree house, it breaks on you. So, well, and uh, I got it. Yeah, I got it. I got it. That's the, the, my perspective. Oh, I understand. I love, I got to tell you, you're so far one of the favorite guests I've had in years because you are just like That's... lobbing this stuff right into my basket of uh, <laughs> of topics. Sure. This I, I actually have a question. So, well, wait, wait. Before so I got you say. Okay, go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm writing. No, I was desk. just going to say, wouldn't you say that there's like a symbiotic relationship between, you know, intuition and knowledge? Um, obviously, intuition is genetically speaking what we used to survive based on. You know what I mean? Like fear. Um, fear of danger, stuff like that is what kept the human race alive in tandem, you know, as our knowledge grew, um, our intuition also grew, um, and led us to more and more knowledge, which we, you know, acquired based on, oh, maybe I should look into, uh, you know, this or that, or, uh, learn more about this, or this would benefit me. Um, those are all intuitively based decisions, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, insofar as we don't have remotely a super well-developed science of training and of gaining muscle and getting bigger mm -hmm. and stronger. We have to, we, we must by exclusion rely on intuition in those areas, which science, uh, or I would say intuition, another term for it would be informal observation, traditional ways of knowing, kind of talking to other people who are jacked, seeing what worked for you. We have yeah. to rely on those uh, non-precise measurements simply because there's an absence of what science has to say in a variety of subjects. Now, if it's science versus intuition on a particular well-defined subject, science wins almost every single time. So as we continue to progress and do more science, the total amount of bodybuilding knowledge is here. Right now we have this much intuition, this much science. It's closing the gap. Sorry, so, the other way. So yeah, there's more and more science. Eventually it would be a wholly scientific measure, kind of like medicine is today. Right. There's not much the doctors intuit anymore. And, and that's no, really but good. they used to. Which is what yeah, led to where and, they are and now. so folks, no, Mike, sure, just, mm -hmm. Mike just held up his hands. I mean, I know we're, we're talking visually, so he oh, held sorry, up. I That's forgot. okay. Yeah, it's a, it's an audio <laughs> medium. No, no, it's he's on a tear. I love it. I, I got to say that, you know, I'm going to – here's my inflammatory thing. Science would not exist, progress, or even be possible without the parent of intuition to guide it. It is utterly impossible to conduct any form of science without intuition. If, if, you, if you need to go back to something on a scientific proof of that – um, conviction being a hormonal and, and emotional reaction, there is no um, you know data based conviction. It's entirely an aha that we hormonally react to information to say right, wrong, yes, I see the pattern, no, I don't see the pattern. That we then label this is the science. Um, so there is a degree to where I, I mean, and I may be on the totally other side of it, but rhetorically speaking, science wouldn't exist without uh, you know the 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 humanities to push it. I'm not saying it's one over the other. I don't believe in that. I think that you know, humanities without science is there's a term for that. It's called bullshit. But um, <laughs> but there needs to be some credibility to the fact that all science has progressed through you know uh, whether it's rhetorical, psychological, philosophical, managerial, statistical curiosity, which is often the furthest thing from science. Um, to your point about how science could build that house, but who the fuck wants to live in it? That is not something science can solve. Um, like, in other words, the desirability of a thing. 
who wants I don't it. agree with that statement. Honestly, you think that science can can perfectly uniformly like basically uniform everyone's desire point? No. But science can allow you I think statistics is actually a tool of science. I think science is based entirely on 50, statistics. 50. I would not call I would actually not call statistics a humanity. Maybe that's just a I'll call my uh, university. Uh, they screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's a branch of mathematics, really. Right. Um, and mathematics so, straddles, uh, exactly. Uh, sure. Um so you know, I think that uh, using science you can actually uh, use a variety of survey tools, figure out what the commonalities are in uh, people's preference for living space for various kinds of architecture that they like. There's, but you uh, will never get 100 percent. And doesn't that isn't that what science is about? You'll never get 100 uh, percent. Science is about the search for 100, not the claim right. that we have 100. I agree science with you there. 100 percent agree. Intuition will get you maybe sometimes nothing, sometimes 50%. Intuition doesn't have a really good track oh, record. And I, oh, and I'm not saying that really intuition not. is the better way. That's not what I'm trying. I'm not trying to say that the opposite is therefore true. But what I am saying is that you can't, science can't provide the guarantee across all of the human experience that you might. Oh, there's nothing, there's nothing that can provide the guarantee. We're on the same uh, I absolutely agree on that for sure. But, yeah. but science can do a much better job. And the more we invest into a scientific way of thinking and knowing, the closer we get to guarantees. I'll put it to you this way. Uh, you know, back in the old days, uh, let's say 100 years ago, if you got a heart attack, uh, you know, in a hospital, uh, you know, your chance of survival about as good as that particular heart attack made you off. There's nothing they could do for you. Sure. Today is, is a statement of fact that if you get a, a heart attack inside a hospital, your chances of survival in a modern hospital are pretty close to 100%. They don't fucking need your heart. Sorry, are we allowed to swear in here? Go for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. No, we're absolutely not. Okay. supposed to fucking swear okay. that's anyway. great that was a big that was a big mix-up if, if you'd have said no it. that would be very embarrassing he's so, a phd uh, folks <laughs> his swears have class anyway as there you go so you know it, they don't fucking need your heart to even be <laughs> around for you to have survive a heart attack they can do do everything with intubation right they can have a mechanical heart pump blood through your ass so you know boy is that a statement of how far quantitative medicine has come along sure there you know back then you know intuition was what guided medicine and the results were maybe better than chance maybe not nowadays they're so much better than chance it's kind of a sick joke so uh, i think a real big problem that I see uh, us agreeing on is that people, uh, science currently in exercise and sport, let's give it a number there, right? just arbitrarily for yeah. the purposes of discussion, knows 50% of what it takes to get jacked and strong. There is a huge problem with a small minority of people saying, if science doesn't say it, I'm not doing it, and it's bullshit. Well, science only knows half the shit, dumbass. So what are you going to do with the other half? Uh, you could just not do it and never listen to any jack dudes that got strong. They probably know a lot of shit. They probably know 50% of the way to get there. Probably a good idea to listen to them. Now, if science was 100% and they were saying dumb shit on the side, I wouldn't listen to them at all. But it just so happens to be that per, that experience and all the other ways of knowing still have a good foothold on stuff we know. Yep, and you've got to take it from everywhere it comes, not just from science. I agree with that. And I think that that's the irony there. That's my, to my point earlier that um, we do have to rely on intuition to guide how we fill in that other 50% of the missing science piece. It's un, like you said, it's inexact. Sure. It's frustrating as hell. Like is it's constantly, it's constantly randomizing, but there's this other element. I have to go back to the house analogy with strength and training. Your super race 
<laughs> Which still pisses me off, Mike. I love that you said that. I want to give you a big hug because that's a br- brilliant piece of inflammatory awesomeness. But no, this super race of people who lift and become, you know, Nick LaFave. And they, uh, no, they, they all lift and become these perfect people. It's presuming that they all have the same desire. So do you believe it is a waste of resources? I'm not going to say time because that's one of the resources, but resources in general. For someone to lift for a psychological end, for something that's utterly experiential and has zero output of getting jacked, do you think that those methods are bunk and should just be eradicated from the common vernacular of training? No, no way. I think they're great. If you lift for therapeutic reasons, just to be feel nice, uh, lifting feels great some, to some people, I think you should have at it and fuck anybody who tells you otherwise and fuck anyone who says, you're just unscientific, bro. you lifting for therapy. Let's do a drop set of 100 squats because it makes me feel good. I don't give a fuck if it grows me or not. Now, right. the only problem is when you start giving fucks about if it grows you or not. And then it's not much of a problem because you can do whatever you want and no one should be able to tell you otherwise. A problem arises when you say, my method of squatting that I made up in my basement because I have no friends there's dead people in my basement. That's neither here nor there. You can't really talk to them. So no, you're you're Russians. I mean, <laughs> Russians. Sorry, I would expect Nick. that of a Russian. Anyway, no. of course. Well, yeah. Um, so you know, uh, my method of squatting 100 whatever reps, blah blah, is the best. Now, as soon as you start claiming that shit, you're in the world of claims and evidence. Science may or may not have something right. to say about that. And, and that's what I that's what science, I evoked at the top of the problem. show. Precisely. That's what I was evoking at the top of the show. Yeah. To that end, do you therefore think that the job of regulating that? is a rhetorical one and falls squarely. Like we need more academic stringency on the humanity side in order to properly execute best rhetoric. Because that's a rhetorical thing you just said. That's how do I communicate something such that it has maximal uh, uh, permeation and maximal clarity? That's a job of rhetoric. That's not a scientific job. So how do we... That's where my... I I grind this axe all the time, that we need to get more academia on the humanities within strength and lifting because of exactly the problem you just mentioned. The idiot who comes up from his basement, you know, the swamp thing, and he's like, no, what you gotta do is put your, you know, this over here, and you got an entire army of idiots lifting in a way that's not only probably going to damage them but not really produce the results that like you said science could probably supply sure but regulating him isn't that a rhetorical problem I mean, uh, to some extent, absolutely. You know, there is uh, a certain percent of people who do really good research and or just, I will say this, know a lot about how to lift properly through scientific and experiential means. And there is a distribution within those people about who can communicate uh, effectively. Some people communicate on an average level. Some people are woefully inadequate in their ability or desire to communicate. I know people who are lab researchers who know a shitload about hypertrophy. You'll never hear their name outside of reading it on a PubMed abstract. They don't talk to people. And then there's people on the other end who are very good communicators and, and can speak very well about scientific topics and can educate lots of people about how to train. Do we need more of that latter group? Yeah, fuck yeah, we do, man. Absolutely. Do we have a ton of people on the, the bro side, so to speak, that talk a shitstorm even though they have no fuck clue what's going on? Yeah, fuck yeah, just turn on YouTube and you get dumbass motherfuckers talking about how to get Jack and they can barely fucking spell their you own You do? I'm going to do sure. that right now. No, anyway, sorry. <laughs> and then there's people yeah, like me who YouTube. don't know anything and uh, are borderline Asperger's, right? <laughs> I think that's, that's a compliment, Nick. That's a compliment. <laughs> before, <laughs> before we stray too far from the topic, I just like to point out that, like, from the sidecar, um, you know, not really taking any particular perspective for the purposes of the podcast, but um, 
I, I'm, I'm loving the contrast here, right? Because we're talking about it uh, from like a pretty ruthlessly pragmatic standpoint. And of course, um, bodybuilding has always been considered, if you will, if we're dividing between scientific and humanity, um, bodybuilding has always been considered, if you will, like living sculpture, right? Like an art. Um, and you look at powerlifting, which if anything could be considered more empirical, you lift the weight, you, you know, you set a program and whoever lifts the most weight is uh, obviously going to hold a world record. Um, that being said, you're having to apply scientific principles to both of those, regardless of whether it's an art or whether it's strictly, um, you know, looking at the numbers and the performance. Um, and of course, that being said, um, when you take a look at both of those fields um, in terms of powerlifting um, or bodybuilding, you have people who have outperformed or equally performed, you know, decades ago, um, people that we have nowadays, even with all of the knowledge and all of the scientific data that we've accrued over that time, you know, someone like Doreen Yates, um, someone like Bill Kazmaier, you know what I mean? Rivaling the strength or aesthetics of people today. Um, what would you have to say about something like that, Mike? So I think that, you know, some of those people in the early times that were very, very high level performers were actually doing stuff that only now science is uh, discovering works pretty well. Would you say that was based on intuition or, you know, setting aside the whole genetic component because anyone can sure. that from the rooftop? Uh, yeah, I'm right here, that, Nick. Uh, I'm right here. You don't have to. Anyway, I think outside of random chance, the guys that did the best with what they had uh, most closely simulated the scientific method with their resources of only having their brain and ability to, to observe. Mm -hmm. What they did was they were very systematic in what they did. Dorian Yates is a classic example of this. Dorian yeah. Yates wrote down what he ate for his entire career as far as I'm concerned. He still has all those notebooks. He was a thinker and he always had this level of calm about him and was very skeptical about techniques i remember dorian yates was asked very interestingly there was a, a training fad in the early 90s called intuitive training where you would go in and train back if you felt like doing back <laughs> and you do whatever exercises you felt like it and dorian yates was asked his opinion in a bodybuilding magazine what he thought about it he said uh, you know if i was involved in intuitive training i would be cracking open a beer on my couch right now because that's what the fuck i want to do i don't want to fucking go deadlift heavy or do bent rows but i have to be because I know that's what it takes. So I think a lot of the individuals that exceeded normal parameters, genetics aside and luck aside, were the kind of systematic thinkers that predated scientific thinkers. Uh, you know, it, it, science is just a culmination of systematic approach to analyzing data. You don't need formal labs to do that. Right. There are two fundamental ends of a spectrum about how to go about things. One is calm, careful, systematic, recording, analyzing, thinking. Another is let's fucking smash this shit, bro. Who gives a fuck? Stop overthinking shit, brother, and just lift weights. You're right, exactly. So, uh, you know, and and if that's the if you, if you know the people that succeed more often, uh, all other things being equal, are usually the people that think, and then they have the benefit of communicating their observations to others. For example, if you talk to a lot of bodybuilders who are good on talent and genetics alone and have that fuck shit up bro mentality, what can they possibly tell you about how to get bigger yourself? They don't know fucking anything. Well, be me. Okay, nice. Right. What can Dorian Yates tell you? Some of his ideas may be incorrect. Some may be very correct, but he has some fucking ideas. But what you're talking really about, Mike, what you're talking about is actually, you know, to, to back to my other point about the humanities, what creates a being... Now, you could say there might be a science behind this. I can't rule that out. But what creates a being who is trained to think that way, who actually is somehow 
raised in a format that, uh, and now we're just dipping into Nazi Germany here, that everyone gets raised the same way. But, uh, you know, that is, you know, the Skinner box model. But somehow, let's put, put that all aside, that inflammatory aspect aside and say, how do we create people to think like that and talk like that? Regardless, before we get into that discussion, I don't think we should. That's a giant pen. Are, are we venturing into yeah. nurture? No, no, yeah, that's feature. no, no, yeah, that's <laughs> yes, but, but let's leave it there. Let's, yeah, but let's leave it there just to get to my point that there's uh, arguably, again, the humanities of rhetoric, history, perspective, these sorts of things, philosophy, that this is the training that would make a brain or an attitude or a level of discipline just so. To be able to embrace things in the scientific way, exactly like you said, you don't need the lab, you don't need the equipment, but there has to be some perceptive way of thinking, and that can be trained rhetorically, that can be trained through a bunch of non-scientific methods, and in fact, the more of those we have, the more likelihood of getting people to think that way we have. And that sort of doubles back to your original point. These people who just like say, yeah, follow me, whatever. The ironic thing is that those bros out there who are blowing up the Instagram, I don't care that their demographic is 11 to 19-year-olds. They possess something <laughs> they don't know they possess, which is a rhetorical component. Now, imagine if that was backed appropriately with scientific credence. Imagine that power. Because now you have not only people attracted and listening and rhetorically understanding – but you're actually delivering something good. And there's the balance to me that seems like we need to be in the, these fields a little bit more even, Stephen, with giving credence to the humanities as a vital component to advancing the sciences, the method. I don't know if you're agreeing with what I'm saying, but you follow my logic? To some extent, yes. I think we need much better ability to communicate. Um, I'm not entirely sure which humanities you, you're you speaking of. Let's talk rhetoric. can give we'll a it better Leave it at rhetoric. Leave it at like you know, honest, honest to good, like linguistic, you know, vernacular communication. Now you got to be careful with that because linguistics is a science. True. I'm sorry, I said linguistic. You're right. Um, well, just a vernacular. That's why I tack that oh, on. Oh, Noam Chomsky. Hey, Boom. hey, it's correct. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm not. I'll step right back when I step in poop, which I do regularly. Um, look, <laughs> look at my Facebook. No, but like, uh, honestly, the, you know, that well, understanding I think vernacular you're, you're speaking rhetoric. speaking in abstracts, right? But what you're sure. referring to is, you know, you have the corollary where, you know, you have a very group, uh, a very like uh, pronounced group of people who are, like you said, fetishizing science or pursuing everything from a scientific component. Um, and then, of course, you have the, I, I think what you're referring to, and I could be misinterpreting, but just from my own understanding, when you talk about the fitness community as a whole, right, you're looking at the divisiveness, if you will, between um, people who are looking at it for uh, scientific purposes to pursue their own performance or enhancement. And then you have other people who are looking at it. I think what you're referring to, Christian, is like emotionally. Um, and that's where the the you know rhetorical argument comes in because you have these insta famous people who uh, have a physique that couch guy, couch guy with the beer really wants um, and he sees some insta famous guy and he's like right. oh yeah i'm gonna do you know split squat lunges till i puke because i'm like hard as fuck and that's what i do um and i'm gonna make and what games. i'm saying is what's and I, <laughs> this is where I, I jump right over to mike's side where it's like mm -hmm. those people i find profoundly offensively and dangerously irresponsible to the point right. where I, I i often want to reach right through my screen and just strangle people not because I think they're douchebags, but I think it's really douchey if you're gifted with the power of rhetorical ability, the power to convince, and you use it 
to you know spray people with snake oil. I just find this disgusting on the, Doctor, to the deepest Doctor layer. Oz, man. Am I Doctor? <laughs> Did I just? Yeah, seriously. Shut down the show. No, I. Uh, I didn't mean to be a pop culture icon, but I guess I am now. Hooray! No, but I mean it's <laughs> it's. Uh, Oh, you're not saying I'm being Dr. Oz. Oh, thank God. For a minute, no, no, no. Said... I'm saying Dr. Oz is a typification. You understand my panic just then. Yeah, that would have been a hell of an insult. I, you know, that's the yeah, Dr. Oz sucks. I agree. Dr. Oz is the tip of the spear of yes, that whole thing. Yes, you know, I agree. Maximally qualified I agree. And, and maximally douchey, I think. And on and, the and, other and end of it. he's too smart to believe all that stuff. And then the other end of it, you have the other doctor, that now no longer, but the Dr. Phil, who is the humanities asshole, who's making it sound like, hey, you can be touchy-feely all you want, as long as you do a good thing. It's weird how there's a humanities sham. And a and a science sham in our You know, media. you look kind of like like a, a lean, more Jack Doctor Phil. Any hey, f you! That? I'll take the Jack, but f you. <laughs> and that's a compliment. He's a good-looking man. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, this, this, folks, you this chose is the, la- the mustache life. I didn't choose you. <laughs> this is the last podcast of the big inside it's been great thank you so much no i'm shaving this damn thing i i've had it for a little while i'm getting so tired of it um save it save it for after the video this weekend okay way to plug nick um so uh the but yeah i i think that that's where we're sort of finding commonality i I would you know just with the few minutes that we have left i would like to lean on that and bring it back to um, the fact that you and I are in agreement that there is this egregious offense. Like I said at the top of the show, we're not going to solve this thing. That's way too big. But there is this weird egregious offense. It's the misuse of science or the mis... Um, uh, how do I want to put it? The mispromotion... Misuse of rhetoric, right? Yeah, exactly. And the misuse of rhetoric or the mispromotion of non-science, like the overpromotion of non-science in the name of science, which I find the creepiest thing in the world. Or, or is it? Is it negligence? Is it a lack sure. of education? Sure. Is it, uh, you know, some people obviously do it to their advantage, but uh, some people are just poorly informed. But are we creating a have and have not state, Mike? Is it that mm-hmm. the people out there who are still relegated for whatever financial or psychological or whatever reasons they have, are they should they be left out of the dialogue simply because they don't have the education? Quote, unquote, have. Are we are we creating? Uh, is this dialogue that we're having now creating a have and have not state within lifting? I, to me, it feels like it is, and I don't so, like that idea. But I'm wondering if you agree. Uh, sure. So, so is what you're saying that uh, some people who don't speak the language of science are somehow left out of or their, should uh, no no to... no they're clearly not left out. That's the thing I'm saying. But do you advocate for the idea that yeah they should be that we should really only have these people of a certain academic merit? Which, as we've seen in other fields, sets up a have-have-not structure, a class structure that's problematic in a whole new brand of like of ways. Do you think that we should be enforcing that separate separation of academic versus non-academic more strictly, or do you think it's going to organically find its way and we don't have to worry about it? What do you mean by force the separation? Um, okay, so let's say you're, you know, some 19-year-old kid. I don't care. Alexandria, Virginia, sh- suburb of Chicago. Who cares where you're from? Oklahoma. And you're jacked, and you're blessed with a 28-inch waist and 52-inch shoulders and just to be lifting like a bro. And you think it's because, you know, every time I get up before 6 a.m., I put on muscle. And so you, you make that your postulate that you put out into YouTube – idiotic you know every time i eat yogurt i my biceps get bigger and they start putting this nonsense out there now they need to be regulated but is it 
are is it so dangerous are we so beyond the pale of the dangers of those people that we should be actually advocating ostracision of that like a hard ostracision like don't come in and talk until you have the education young man is that the sort of theme that we should somehow be enforcing within the grand structure of things i i don't yeah okay i got you i don't believe it whatsoever in regulation of the freedom of speech i think those people should be allowed to say whatever they want and getting away from the political side yeah I think that, on the other hand, people who are thinking people and are interested in their own hypertrophy and their own strength enhancement and knowing stuff about how their body works should be very skeptical of those individuals and understand what those individuals are good for and what other individuals are better for. If you watch some people like that for inspiration, for motivation, and for perhaps some interesting insights into ways of doing things which do not clash with the basic principles of exercise science, Awesome. Yeah. Well, you know what? I've seen a couple CT Fletcher videos and I was like, dude, this motherfucker's off the chain. This is awesome. Like yeah, he is, his passion is amazing. And a lot of his psychological shit is great. Like still your motherfucking set. I love that shit. Cause it's like, stop being a pussy. Like the, none of the, no, no science is going to save your bitch ass from hard work. And that's totally true. And that's the humanitarian looking, side. For sure. Exactly. The funny way to say humanitarian, <laughs> but, um, you know, if you were looking for C.T. Fletcher to give you insights about program design, my God, you went wrong somewhere. And I don't think they should be top-down regulated at all. And all I would say at from the ivory tower at the top to individuals listening, just be smart about who you listen to for what you listen to. Listen to the scientific-minded people who are also involved in the field about how to train. And to those that are logical in their training, maybe not super scientific, somebody like John Meadows. I don't know if you guys know who John Meadows is. Uh, He is not a scientist. but He's a a smart guy and he thinks about shit. He might be wrong a lot. I might be wrong a lot. But John definitely doesn't do anything he hasn't thought through, at least someone. Prize those kinds of people for the thinking part of your act. And for when you want to go to the gym and you watch a John Meadows video, I don't know if my videos or his videos are going to be very motivational i fucking suck dick at motivation i don't have nothing to tell you my best i'm a libertarian my best motivation to you is if you don't want to lift you don't have to how fucking shitty is that watch a ct fletcher video and uh and and get it let that motherfucker get under your skin and then go bang weights that's great but for program design, for program. thinking of course <laughs> which you can buy now for 9.99 oh my god we're plugging we're plugging oh my god we're plugging holy crap if i could jump five easy payments <laughs> oh my god! If I could jump in. Right? It's like, you're asking also, you know, just to be inflammatory again. You're asking an uneducated, relatively uneducated public to distinguish between what is uh, valid information and what isn't. And you have in this day and age, like the what was it recently? It was the University of Iowa, right? The football players that were getting rhabdomyolysis, um, and the coach said they're weak. Train harder. Um, so you know, yeah. for the average consumer, which isn't who the show markets to, but how would somebody differentiate between start getting educated, mm-hmm. start reading shit, pay attention in your fucking high school biology class. If you're still in high school, if you're in college, Drop pay attention out. there. If not good, good man, they're just teaching the <laughs> bullshit. To, but to this keep is the thing. Down. I have to go um, back to, I have to go back on that. And I, and I, I love this, by the way, I love what you're saying, Mike, but I do have to go back on that one point. Cause I have similar, and we all have ideas of how to make people more discerning. And yes, you're right. That happens in the educational process, 100%. But we live in a space where the lower middle class and the lower class 
indeed, and I don't want to get into like the political side of it, but let's just say statistically that they, the science of statistics that they are typically not educated to that level of discerning, and therefore there is a have-have-not state that we are trying to resolve in the nation, but does exist for what it's worth. So how on earth, and, and meanwhile, lifting and bodybuilding appeal primarily to that class. You rarely see somebody who's a successful CEO who then then takes up bodybuilding. It's you know usually like you know the person who's taking up bodybuilding then becomes a CEO. It, it reverses, and it's often because that it's that solid middle class that comprises what seems to be the largest amount within lifting and bodybuilding, and oftentimes those are not the people privy to the influences that might make them discerning which is why there is so much bullshittery going on obviously but how do we reach them i think is the crux of maybe what nick was saying what do we do as the leaders to actually influence them instead of of just saying i got the science which every joe is saying i think it's a it's a two-part uh uh, kind of maybe mini solution or two-part beginnings of a solution of an approach uh part one is to simplify the findings of science and the ways of communication so that you don't sound like a fucking dude with a pencil stuck up his ass when you're talking exactly. to people. Precisely. When, when I'm asked by, you know, I interact with a variety of people when I'm at the gym and sometimes people ask me for shit and I can tell they're from a different background than myself educationally. I'll fucking simplify shit. I don't need to say fucking hypertrophy. I'll say get fucking big. This is me. It's the same thing, but right. there's nobody that doesn't understand what get big means. It's so what I call, learn yeah, how it's what I call dummy science. You can use exactly. the language of dummy science. Totally. To help someone, even if it isn't the words I'm saying aren't provable. For sure. That's the rhetorical the flip. Easy. Yeah, that's the rhetorical yep. flip. And then secondly, secondly, I think we ought to, uh, you know, get onto communicating how fucking badass science is. Because you know, you know, we don't want this misperception that science is for nerds and the real big guys follow just their intuition or oh, just it is. whatever. It's for like, nerds. Science. Science. We brought you fucking machines. We brought you tanks. We brought you fucking jets. You want a fucking army? You fight with fucking science. Your military science is how you fucking win wars. Guns are made yep. by science. Every fucking cool thing you could ever think of is made by fucking science. Science. So shoot motherfuckers up to the moon up in this bitch. You sure you're Russian? Get it all. Right, exactly. Science. We uh, spread <laughs> plagues and then fix them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Science. No, science we we bring warfare to the world and then solve it. For sure. Hey, but here's the deal. No, but here's the deal. I'm teasing, Everything I'm fucking teasing. badass that you can think of. Everything precise. Everything awesome. Everything huge. Everything powerful has been made fucking by science. Now you're going to step into art? Come on now. We can blow up your art with a fucking thermonuclear bomb. <laughs> now you're just being facetious, science but I love it. I love time, it. For sure. But the, basically uh, what we can do is, you know, this this idea of like science is nerdy and for pussies Fuck that shit. You know, you, you, imagine imagine this futuristic scenario, right? Where you're you you walk in to this like laboratory with pristine, clean, white equipment everywhere, and you look over and there's this uh, there's this automated machine building this jacked, super fucking android by inputting exact characteristics <laughs> that are required to wow. construe you construct every sinew of muscle, of bone, of everything. That is the word. That's West science, world. right? Science will give you what you want with precision and badassery, and there's no time for artsy fartsy pussy shit if i was to give that talk 
or chauvinism. For, <laughs> oh, might as well. Let's right. bring chauvinism into it while we're here. Go for sure. it. Sure. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Wussy shit. I'm sorry. Political correctness just slipped for a second. Nah, so just, you know, I have women we, listeners uh, is all. <laughs> if we, if we, you know, give that kind of uh, view of science to people that are not scientifically educated, they go, wow, that sounds pretty fucking cool. And then we have to back it up. We have a, sim- a more simple approach to communicate ideas that's not jargon laden. We've got a pretty good recipe for like, wow, fuck, science sounds pretty sweet. Let's look at what's going on. Uh, some of these individuals will start to read that approach that's non-jargon laden and will really like and start to understand the concepts. They're going to get thirsty as fuck because they're going to see that that shit works. It makes sense and it actually makes them more jacked. And as they get more thirsty, they're going to start diving into the literature that's deeper and deeper and deeper. And then eventually they'll be reading all the brainy shit too. As long as you have the intellect, uh, the talent to pick up concepts, which most people do, you're going to go as far as you can if science is made to seem cool for you and initially simple so it can give you that bottom rung of the ladder to start climbing if that makes any sense I, it, it does i the devil's advocate as well you know as an outsider I'm, I'm not someone who has you know the type of education that a lot of obviously leaders uh in the field have or even some successful people in terms of powerlifting or, or bodybuilding um and i know for me personally uh you know um just to sound fucking dumb for a second but like it's <laughs> it's fucking hard to sift through all that information and for for each study out there um there's a study done by an equally reputable person um that outweighs that or contradicts that or goes in a different direction whether it's hypertrophy programming strength programming uh, a combination of the two really anything like that um and i know for myself i have a very fucking difficult time sifting through all of that and applying it to myself and finding out what happens and not only that but through trial and error that's years that takes fucking years to uh to see what works for you and what doesn't but i think yeah that, it, nobody uh, said it would be easy and no, i gotta no, say mike mm-hmm. i love uh so much of your passion and your idealism i think it's phenomenal and i think it's really i see why people take to you in terms of a, as being a mentor i i, Meh, I think i'm overrated eh, i would agree <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. The, uh, <laughs> no, but like I think that the uh, part of that thing is that there is something chilling at the core of what you're saying to me, and it might be the fact that you are so prone to the, you know, th- this idea that there will be this that you have a vision, this sort of like neo-apocalyptic vision where science will somehow reduce the human experience to this streamlined norm. Um, which has a little bit of creepiness to me, and it sounds it evokes in me the sound like I feel like I'm talking to someone who's an evangelical, and it really that whenever I talk to people like that, I always get a chill up my spine. Not that you are that, I know that you're pumping. Sure. I mean, where everybody's I know, walking around with PhDs, and we all look like those uh, those weird genetic freakish oxen that have like double muscle. Sweet. But it's it's one of those cool. things, where, and I know that you're saying it to be inflammatory, so that's why I get I get the I get I, you know, I get I know, the rhetorical I, I, device. I get the device. The, I do. the last the last part of that was a joke. I know. The, I know. I know. The part of it Certainly. that was not a joke was that we would come to a situation, hopefully in the future, in which if somebody asks a question of how do I get big, their answers will be there for them. Systematic answers delivered by science, no more bullshit, no more questions, no more what ifs, this is how to do it. Today, in the science of engineering buildings, for example, if you want to learn how to build a skyscraper, you don't have to guess about dick anymore. They got textbooks to teach you how to do that shit. That's the kind of textbooks I want to see for science. And I agree. I agree. They're not going to dehumanize everything. They're just going to make it better. Right. And I think that what's interesting is how I just use a rhetorical device to get you to re-explain a point and it worked. And I think that we need to do this more often with our leaders because honestly, 
It's like, I love what's in your head, Mike, and I love what comes out of your mouth. And I think that what's interesting is how um, there, there needs to be people with that pliability. Because typically, a belligerent science head would have barreled right back at me, but you're smart enough. PhD, oh, he's smarter than my ass. But you're smart enough to know this is about getting the correct communication across first then bringing in the information that goes with that communication. Absolutely. There, there is well, a you know, an that has to, to be opened, yeah. Absolutely. An attempt to communicate without minding what kind of communication stream you're using sure. is an, just an attempt to not be heard. Yep. I mean, the number one – I think people forget that. Uh, communication and expression are two different things. Uh, if you just talk about how cool science is all the time, you're expressing yourself and your love for science. Communication, there's a receiver as well as a sender. Now who's being PC? Put this. <laughs> hey, yeah, right. Uh, right. Uh, I'm often the receiver as well as the sender. Oh, right. there you go. Sex oh, reference. So, um, so <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there. I think – it's, it's for sure. It's I think it's super important to to make sure that when we're communicating these ideas, we think are important. How we communicate them should for sure be addressed. I think right. that's absolutely number one. I think this has been, and I want to kind of. This is a great point. I would love to have you on at some future show because honestly, I think that you have to answer me before I let you before we move on from the this conversation. Is this? Do you talk this level of philosophy typically in your interviews and lectures, or is this sort of a departure from what you typically do? They don't pay me to teach philosophy, unfortunately. Unfortunately, <laughs> depending on your... Nobody uh, gets you know, paid for that! Why do you think I do a podcast, kid? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, you know, so, I mean, in my in my classes at the university, I, I try to stay away from philosophical topics because sure, I feel sure. that I was con contracted to, to educate right. people in, in physiology. Now, I, I have a lot of jokes peppered in, but I can't swear they tell me, which is a real big problem. I love swearing. I it's can fucking tell. sweet. I can tell. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So, yeah, I feel, uh, I feel, but yeah, I feel no, like I, the only people left listening to this podcast are truckers. But that's okay because truckers are cool. The uh, <laughs> dude, I appreciate you look like a trucker, so you're well on your way. I'm getting it tonight. I'm really getting it tonight. <laughs> That's not an insult. That's a compliment. Unless I, you were insulting truckers earlier. <laughs> let, let's keep, keep internally consistent here. It's phenomenal. Dude, he's roasting you. You got nothing. I, I love wrecked. Um, well, uh, you know, so while we, I think that we can leave it there. I want to move on to the show. Mike, you'd come back, right? <laughs> I, I, in a few months or Absolutely. something like that. You're Absolutely. phenomenal. I love your mind. I love what's in there. We got to juice it again Thank sometime. Thank you so much. No problem. Um, this is obviously not a settleable topic. You can you can't pick sides because you saw we pick a side, we come back. It's one of those things. Um, we must rely on academia to confirm our perceptions but there's an obvious danger in allowing us to be blind to one side or the other of this thing this is a great thing um that does it for this episode thanks for stepping inside the big inside and we by the way we love 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 being told that our heads might be up our asses so be sure to get your feedback on this episode or any episode at thebiginside.com or on our facebook page we'd love that don't forget, today is sponsored by uh, Saisei Sports is wrecked. They've, they are one of our most proudest sponsors. It's a pre-workout formula. Mike, don't go off. I know it's the science in here, but I'm not going to read it. Uh, it's basically uh, one of the... Check our website for the science. There you there go. There it is. Check the website for the science. It's, it's, it's uh, marketed as an elite-level product, meaning that they just took the basics, the stuff that's proven to work, and they put it in at a pharmaceutical grade as opposed to trying to be tricky and bendy and twisty. It actually, uh, most people are reporting that it saves them money, even though it has a higher price point, because they're using less because it does what it's supposed to do, as opposed to being filled with garbage. You can learn more about Rekt, R-E-K-T, at SaiseSports.com. That's S-A-I-S-E-I-Sports.com. 
Uh, lastly, we've been brought to you by Scorpio Creative. It's a boutique design, branding, and marketing firm. Hey, say you're a small business. Maybe you're a trainer. Maybe you're, who knows? Maybe you're a banker. I don't care what you do. There's no small bankers. But let's just say you need marketing. The problem is that, I know, right? Uh, the problem is that uh, you go to a big firm. They're going to give you a big price, and they're going to tell you what to do. You need someone to partner with. Scorpio Creative gives you the small partner experience. Get your small brand up website logo design strategy uh, at a price that you can afford payments that are reasonable scorpiocreative.com the big inside by the way is independently funded so we rely on our sponsors but also stunningly jacked scientifically enhanced listeners like you the super race if you like listen to Uber me super Mensch. race Uber <laughs> Mensch. if you like what you hear on the big inside please consider dropping a few bucks into our virtual bucket of love it's at thebiginside.com your generosity is not only appreciated hey we're going to chat you up on the air hey in fact you know what why not hump our leg completely and become a sponsor of the big inside the info's on the website we love selling your stuff and hey Karma is real. And now the inside drive, the point in the show where we recommend a goal, idea, or a personal quest that we have and recommend it to you as something that we think, you know, might be good for you to think about as well. Nick, what do you got? What's your what's your thing for the week? Um, my thing for the week in terms of the gym or just in general? Well, I don't know. What do you think people should be focusing on that you're going to be focusing on? Jeez. I mean, actually, the first thing that came to mind when you said that was just like um, not letting external uh, circumstances dictate my mindset. So I'm Love focusing it. on processing. Top recommendation. I like that. Hey, Mike, what do you got? What's your thing for the week that you think folks should join you in looking into getting smarter? Folks, here's the deal. <laughs> I love it. Go for it. Go for it. Masturbation. Now, hold on a sec. I know... I know you're skeptical. <laughs> you don't need to recommend this. My listeners really are good. Oh, okay. That's it awesome. It feels great. You don't need anyone to help you. It's oh, amazing. Nice. This is if great. If you haven't been doing it, <laughs> you might not like it at first, but I promise you'll grow on you. This close to a Peabody Award. This close. And then, no, that's great. I recommend it as well. In fact, it's a healthy way to live. Like, <laughs> mine's going to be blown out of the water. I mean, for me, just I, I think people should look into time. And what I mean by that is, look, I've often said the body's a clock. So it operates in a time continuum. Siding with the science. I've been doing a lot of reading. You know, not all conclusive, but I'm trying to learn more about literally the, the, the time thing. If you want to start somewhere, how about this? Tiptoe into Tabata's research. I know it's faddish. And then go from there. Don't stop there. Keep going. Um, the body's a clock. Look into it. Figure out, uh, you know, how training can be more than just, you know, lifting weights. Uh, I'd like it's to midlife crisis. Totally, I'm getting old. Definitely, uh, right? <laughs> Time Mike... is running out. I think is where you're going. <laughs> totally, with it. totally. Mike, I'd like to thank you for joining us. I mean, this was awesome. You were a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you having you on. You were phenomenal. Yeah, thanks Guys, so much, man. You, you, you are amazing host and sidecar participant. I had an awesome time. Thank you so much for having me on. Look forward to having you back on, Nick. It was a pleasure having you sit in for Scott. Thank you so much, Nick. Of course, thank you. All right, today's show was produced by the Physiculture Collaborative, whose ability to get a doctorate degree has steadily decreased in a linear fashion over the past three decades. That's the workout for your ears this week. I'm Christian Mady, a.k.a. XN, for The Big Inside. Now, reminding you that no matter what you do on your outside, what makes it big is what's found on the inside. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Later.